The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show. Repeat after me. America is a republic, and there's nothing democratic about the Democrat Party. Let's get our words right, people. She's tough. What part of shall not infringe don't you legislators understand? Read the Constitution. Read the Bill of Rights. Read the stupid so-called laws that you guys sign your name. Focus is shameful. She's smart. And besides, what have you legislators done that gives you power over us? Trick the people into electing you? Swearing an oath that you don't seem to understand or follow? She's tenacious. I say bring the Electoral College to the county level for all national elections so Michigan isn't governed by sanctuary jurisdictions like Wayne and Washtenaw counties. She's sassy. Michigan has a big problem. We have too many people who exhibit seditious behavior in elected office and that needs to change. I'm hoping against hope we can change the change. Let's talk about some of this stuff on the Janice Daniels Show. This could be fun. And now, your host, Janice Daniels. Well, it's pretty much common knowledge in America that when we sign a contract, any contract, all parties to that contract are expected to live up to the terms and conditions of that contract. You know, it's kind of like by, for, and of. But when public functionaries, and I like that terminology, public functionaries take an oath, we never seem to hold them accountable to that oath. Not in a court of law, because we don't have an independent judiciary not in a court of public opinion because we don't have an independent dominant media, not in a voting booth because we don't have constitutionally educated people, and not even by a jury of a deck of cards. Read Alice in Wonderland in your downtime. So why aren't our public functionaries held to account for their lack of allegiance to the oaths that they all take to protect and defend the United States Constitution, and at the state level and below, they also take an oath to defend the state Constitution. Why don't we hold them accountable? Well, I I basically just answered that question, so I guess I need to ask, why am I asking it again? Well, because I want to answer it again. These people are not held to allegiance to the oaths that they take because we don't have an independent judiciary. We don't have an independent dominant media. We don't have a constitutionally educated populace. And we don't seem to be playing with a full deck of cards. I guess I should speak for myself. You are listening to The Janice Daniels Show, heard every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. on the Great Wham Talk, 1600 a.m., 92.7 f.m., and around the world at whamradio.com. That's W-A-A-M radio.com. Now, I keep trying to restore our American Republic or do my small part with however many cards I'm playing with, and I'm going to continue to beat this same drum that I call Under What Authority?, Professor William Wagner of Salt and Light Global said that that's the right question to ask. Under what authority? Tucker Carlson also asked that question of New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who answered with an impeachable remark that the Bill of Rights was above his pay grade. 
we shouldn't have to continue to pay him. So I want all of you, if you can, to start asking that, that question, under what authority is this or that public functionary? And again, I like that terminology, public functionary. That means someone who so holds a certain function. Now, each and every public official is elected to hold a certain function, to do a certain function. And destroying our God-given rights is not one of their functions. But if we, the people, keep allowing these elected officials to continue to dream up and vote upon and then supposedly codify this or that unconstitutional action or rule or regulation that does nothing more than to hamper our lives, infringe on our liberty, and prevent us all from pursuing happiness. And we're going to end up in a very dark place. I don't want to be there. That's why I'm always looking for the silver lining in those dark places. I'm not happy with being uh, told to wear a mask. I'm not happy when I'm told that I can't buy seeds. Even though I probably won't plant a garden this um, spring, I, I, I want to be able to buy seeds. And no tyrannical witchmer has the authority to tell us that we can't buy seeds. Now, I guess she's given up on that particular act of tyranny. I don't know, this under what authority is apparently the cross that I have been asked to bear. I'd much rather be making another batch of oatmeal raisin cookies. And in fact, I might do that after the show. But for now, I will continue to beat the drum of under what authority, because I believe that it's so important. And, you know, I get really, really weary, as I'm sure all of you do, when we're trying to fight this global Goliath that we're fighting. Um, so I always kind of turn to different uh, remarks of different heroes that I have. Uh, one of the heroes that I hold dear is Thomas Edison. He was like a really smart guy, really invented a lot of really cool things. Um, so I bought this little book when I was visiting his uh, home in Fort Myers, Florida one year. It's called The Edison and Ford Quote Book. And there's a quote from Thomas Edison that reads, Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. I like that. And uh, we need that kind of encouragement. Remember that. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. Now, keep doing whatever it is that you like to do. As uh, far as those Ford quotes in that little green book of mine... I like this one, thinking is the hardest work there is, which is probably the reason why so few engage in it. Kind of snarky, but um, my opinion, in fact, uh, on Henry Ford is not really settled. I've been reviewing some information that says that the Fords and the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds are not really very nice people. But I'm, I'm going to leave it at that at this point until I do a little bit more research on all of them. Um, if you have information that you'd like to share with me this afternoon, please call. Join the conversation, 734-822-1600. I'm not going to have any guests until I get my 
broadcasting equipment working at a good sound level. In fact, I had um, set up my broadcasting equipment to be at a better uh, listening level than what it has been in the past. Uh, unfortunately, for some reason, last minute, I couldn't get it all to connect. So uh, please forgive me for the broadcast quality. We are working on making this the very best that it can be. In fact, um, my two interviews these past couple of weekends, one with Jim Simpson, who's running for uh, Maryland's 2nd District Congress congressional seat, uh, and my interview last weekend with Kevin Brock, the former FBI agent, both of those interviews were really not of a good quality for broadcasting. In fact, I wish I could interview both of them again. There's a lot more questions that I'd like to ask both of them, quite frankly. And in fact, if you want to give me questions that you would have liked me to ask them or any of the other guests that I have on, on air, please do. Give me a call, 734-822-1600. That's 734-822-1600. In fact, I was thinking about maybe having the last show of every month be like a special show. Maybe call it, um, you ask the questions. Maybe we could see if that would work. But anyway, here's the work that I've been doing this past week. Maybe you want to take some of these actions yourself. Or again, like I said, do whatever you want or like to do. Just do it. Uh, you know, we can all make an appeal. One person can always make an appeal. But it takes a lot of people to create a movement. I take my hats off. My hats. Yeah, I do wear different hats. So my hat's off to Michigan Conservative Coalition for the good work that they're doing to uh, bring the spotlight to Michigan. Um, I've sent my demand letter to impeach the 49th governor of the state of Michigan to all of Michigan's legislators in the House and the Senate. Not a one of them has answered me. Uh, I want to thank JT for that list of email addresses uh, to reach all of those men and women. I emailed a copy of my letter to the John Birch Society. I've got a copy that I'm going to put in the mail to One News Network. I've emailed a copy to the Potomac Tea Party group of activists. Uh, I've sent a request to Fox News to see if Tucker Carlson might be interested in my constitutionally sound demand to impeach Gretchen Whitmer. Now, my friend S.A., I'll refer to her as S.A., she reworked my appeal letter to make it easier to understand, so I'm going to work on sending it out to various email lists that I have. And I also sent an appeal to Attorney General William Barr through the Department of Justice website contact format. Uh, and I thank KW for providing me that particular link or ability to reach our Attorney General. Now, this contact form that you can use, you can find it at justice.gov. It limits the number of characters in a text box to 2,000. So I reformatted my Impeach 49 demand letter to exactly 2,000 characters. I'm such a character. Well, that reminds me, you know, I, I really do believe that pain builds character. Well, I like to say that I've been through a lot of pain in my life, and that's why I'm such a character. Anyway, my appeal letter to Attorney General William Barr reads as follows. It was entitled Constitutional Authority. 
Dear AG Barr, I have great concerns that the governor of Michigan is violating her sacred oath and usurping specific authority that is not granted to her in the state constitution. Article 5 of the Michigan Constitution of 1963 clearly specifies the duties delegated to the governor. Nowhere in that constitution is the governor authorized to place us all under virtual house arrest, deny us the ability to operate our businesses, visit our friends and relatives, and purchase the products of our choices. Michigan's governor is citing what's called the Michigan's Emergency Management Act 390 of 1976 that supposedly expands the governor's constitutional authority. That is an unconstitutional usurpation of authority. The Michigan Constitution does authorize the governor to do the following. Article 5, Section 12 does give the governor the authority to call out the armed forces to execute laws, suppress insurrection, or repeal invasion. The governor has not done that, nor should she, under the present viral situation. Article 5, Section 15 authorizes the governor of Michigan to con convene the legislature under extraordinary circumstances. Article 5, Section 17 authorizes the governor to recommend to the legislature measures considered necessary or desirable. Nowhere in the Michigan Constitution is any governor of the state of Michigan authorized to arbitrarily assume new powers to expand the use of executive order to declare a state of emergency to cope with dangers to this state by abridging the rights of the people as outlined in article 1 section 3 right to peaceably assemble or section 4 right to worship god according to our dictates section 6 right to keep and bear arms section 7 civilian power over the military section 9 no involuntary servitude is to be tolerated without a crime having been committed and i put in parentheses we are under house arrest without having committed a crime end of parenthesis and section 17 no person shall be deprived of life liberty or property new parenthesis we are being unduly deprived of all of these end of parenthesis please help and i put help in bold letters this is my appeal to attorney general william barr that i sent to him through their contact format provided on justice.gov. Now my one letter could possibly go unnoticed or unread, but if I could encourage you to copy and paste even my exact words into a new contact form and send your copy from your email address to Attorney General Barr, maybe it'll catch his eye. Now right this minute I give you blanket authority to use my exact words in your email. All you have to do is Go to the website, The Janice Daniels Show, a podcast by anchor.fm. This show will be archived probably within the next 24 hours. You can listen to it again. You can take down those words exactly that I wrote to A.G. Barr. Now, some of the instances where I said the word Michigan, I abbreviated it to capital M, capital I, because I had to do so to fit that 2,000-character limit. Uh, so you might want to be sure and do that. Or if you want to, you can go to my Facebook page, Janice Daniels, Troy, Michigan. And I have a copy of this appeal letter 
uh, posted there on Facebook. Um, there's also on the justice.gov website, there's also an address where you can mail your response to Attorney General William Barr. And uh, I uh, just think it's really important that we use all these different modes of communication to contact our leaders. Um, and I think that Attorney General William Barr is, for the most part, appearing to be one of the good guys. I'm hoping so. I'm praying so, quite frankly. Um, now, I took a look at that Michigan Emergency Management Act of 1976 to see if I could find out the constitutional rationale of her, of her acting in this way. Or is this a usurpation of authority? Now, most bills start with this sentence, the people of the state of Michigan enact. Okay, so, yeah, it's right. We elect these representatives of the people to protect and defend our Constitution and to do the enumerated things that we authorize them to do. But I don't think that this means that they are allowed to usurp our authority or grant themselves more power. Where did this come from? When or where did we the people give government the power to start giving themselves more power? I mean, that's it's just crazy. For example, there's a House Bill number 5706 introduced on April 16th of 2020 by a man named Stephen Johnson that authorizes the governor to commandeer private property under a state of emergency and suspend or limit the sale of alcoholic beverages. Now, these, these truly unconstitutional edicts that this man put into a bill mirror the language in that Emergency Act of 1976. Now, Stephen Johnson campaigned as a military man who supports the cause of liberty and small government. You know, that's why my introduction to this show includes a comment that politicians trick the people into electing them. For this Christian man to even try to give any governor the right to take away our private property under any circumstances or to deny us the right to purchase a legal product, even in a state of emergency, to me is grounds for his immediate removal from office. We have to get serious about taking care of cleaning house, cleaning house, and then clean the Senate. We have to clean it, clean it all out, clean it all out. Now back to this uh, Emergency Management Act of 390, or uh, Act 390 of 1976. It's, it's 12 pages long, of course. I didn't have to get past page 3 when I was convinced that this bill has no constitutional basis for it to have been signed into so-called law. Now I understand Tim from Westland is on the line. Tim, welcome to the Janice Daniels Show. Hey, Janice, thanks for taking my call. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> uh, I have read the Michigan Constitution, the uh, 1945 law you were talking about, the emergency powers of the governor. And yeah, the 1976 19... Act was, um, was uh, further expanded the law of 1945, yes. Right. So you have, she when she put out the executive order, she cited those two different sections of law, 
along with her Article 5, Section 1 authority, which is ridiculous, uh, the governor's emergency powers law, I believe, is the one that says that when the governor makes an executive order, it has the force of law. Okay, so a law is equal to an executive order or vice versa. Article 1, Section 10 of the Michigan Constitution says no law shall be enacted that impairs the obligations of contract. So when she passed, when she signed her executive order, which is the equivalent of law, she passed a law under the emergency powers that violated the obligations of contracts, say, between landscapers and their customers or home builders and their customers. So the law or executive order that she passed violated the Constitution. Now, the only remedy that is available is for the legislature to impeach her on an abuse of power on those are on that on the amendment or the uh, <clears throat> section of the Constitution I just cited to you. Tim, I absolutely project to impeach this governor is on my Facebook page. Uh, I've got it uh, in email. Uh, if you could possibly leave your email address with Derek or contact me through my email address, that's radiojanice at protonmail.com. I'll send you my um, delineated list of sections of the Constitution that she is violating. The state constitution, not even to speak of the federal. Tim, are you still yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, did you say, I was writing down your email address. You say radio Janice at protonmail.com? Yes, sir. No periods, no dots in there or anything? Nope, Got nope, it. nope. I will get in touch. All right, very good. Uh, and thank you so much for calling, and thank you for, for caring so much about the Constitution to continue to try to push against these usurpers of authority that have infested all of our branches of government. It's, you got it's, it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, you know, in fact, this, this Management Act 390 of 1976, I don't know where in the world they can give extra constitutional authority to issue these executive orders. Tim is right. Uh, the, the, the governor does have the um, ability to use executive orders to organize the principal departments that she's responsible for. That is one of her constitutional duties. But nowhere does it say that she can use executive order to grant herself or any other government official expanded in new powers. And then this act also gives the governor the approval to enter into a compact with another state. Now, I don't know how that can be, because the federal constitution clearly states in Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, that no state shall, without the consent of Congress, enter into an agreement or compact with any other state. Now, we have to start really challenging these people uh, and it, it, that is the duty of the people. We are the guardians of the Constitution. Now, I want to play that song again that I played last weekend called Coronaville. Uh, but I want to, uh, I've chosen a different segment of that um, song to play. And I will tell you, I don't mean any offense to anyone. If you call yourself a Democrat, no offense meant to you. It's just a 
joke. I just like to tell jokes once in a while, and uh, you know it's it, it, it's so so sickening that these government overreaches are more deadly than the disease that we are supposed to be protected from getting. Let me tell you, my job has gone bye bye. Non-essential must be why. President says he'll be sending some cash But now it's up to Congress There's no way that can help us I'm sure they'll have a solution once the problem has passed Mm-hmm Wasting my day away in Coronaville Watching morons and hoarders have a panic attack That's right Some people claim it might be China to blame But I think I'll just blame Democrats The Janice Daniels Show. Janice Daniels Show on Wham Talk 1600 and 92.7 FM. We're working our way through the executive orders that Gretchen Whitmer has assigned to herself through the Emergency Management Act 390 of 1976. I mentioned that uh, she wants to enter into a compact with other states, and that's against Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, enter into any agreement or compact. It says, unless we're actually invaded or, or under such imminent danger that we'll not admit delay. I'm sorry, but a coronavirus that has taken the lives of less people than a myriad of other deadly diseases is not imminent enough danger to suspend the federal constitution. We also have a Fourth Amendment right to be secure in our persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures without a warrant based upon probable cause supported by an oath, particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. I hope Gretchen Whitmer is listening to us this afternoon. Now, the worst sentence that I found in this in this uh, emergency act was on page three. It almost made me sick to see this. And I, I, I actually almost thought I had a virus or something. It's section 30.405, section 5, part 3. It says, any person who willfully disobeys or interferes with the implementation of a rule, order, or directive issued by the governor pursuant to this section is guilty of a misdemeanor. Gretchen Whitmer... You can charge me with a misdemeanor right after we charge you with treason. This is treasonous behavior. You have no right to do all of this. I've got a caller on the line, Tom from Detroit. Welcome to the Janice Daniels Show. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, right off, just real quick, I, uh, I'd like to mention, you know, I've heard about people getting uh, 
you know, thousand dollar fines for you know whatever. But uh, you know, the Eighth Amendment uh, does not allow for um, you know excessive fines, and I I call that excessive. You know, uh, absolutely. You know, if you, if you had a twenty dollar, thirty dollar fine, you know, you pay it up, and what the heck, you know, because you know you're out doing what you want it, but. I mean that aside, um, that you know, there's only one way I know of for the government to take private property, and that's through eminent domain. Okay, so somehow we can just, for the sake of argument, say, okay, she has eminent domain powers by executive order because the executive orders only they only implement the statute that the legislature passes, Article Four, Section One, all legislative you know, duties are in the legislature itself. Um, okay, so that requires compensation. Okay, and I noticed that, you know, if you do a word search in, you know, in that uh, Emergency Management Act, there is, you know, sections for compensation. And it just seems to me that, you know, that people, you know, should be reading that act and they should be reading, you know, into what, you know, if their business, if they're put out of business, you know, their savings are eaten up, you know, because they've been singled out, you know, as non-essential, they've been cut from the herd. Okay. And they haven't volunteered, you know, it, this executive order is in excess of what's happening to the rest of the herd and they've been put out of business. I, I don't see why they wouldn't have a claim as long as they have good books and records. And I think that's how we're supposed to keep the governor in control in this situation. She just can't be a dictator and, you know, and play a political game. You know, it's, I mean, there's going to be a price to pay. And that's absolutely true. Tom, you've made, you've made such good observations. Um, quite frankly, though, I really, don't like to necessarily look at statutes because those are based upon fraudulent interpretations of our constitutions. I want to look at the constitution. I want to find the constitutional authority for this woman to tell me I have to wear a mask. Where is it? And and she gives herself emergency powers. I don't wear a mask unless I'm going inside a store. You know, once I'm inside the store, it's kind of, you know, the other, uh, someone else's private property. But, uh, as far as walking down the street or something, I'm not wearing a mask. But what I wanted to say is, you know, if, if it, one ever gets into court, is unfortunate enough to have to be in their courts in the first place, and on a, consti- uh, a statute, whether it's constitutional or not, sometimes, uh, according to American Jurisprudence, 16th volume, some statutes can be unconstitutional as applied in a certain search- situation to a certain person, uh, or a part of a statute can be unconstitutional, but the rest of the statute can be okay. And sometimes the entire statute is unconstitutional. So there's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, I mean, I just don't have the kind of memory for details that I could even get into them. No, I agree. I don't either. All I do know is that we the people are the guardians of the Constitution and all of the statutes and all of the laws that are written by these people that we elect into high office are supposed to be constitutionally sound. You are absolutely right. If we get ourselves caught up in some kind of a judicial uh, uh, hearing or, or, or any kind of mess with the judiciary, we're in trouble because they are as 
they are as badly informed as to what the Constitution says and does as any of the other ones, the executive and the legislature. I don't understand how we've let it get this bad. We've we've gone so long without holding these people accountable to these constitutions, which, if you read them, they're really pretty clear. Uh, and oh, they I know really exactly, I know exactly how it's gotten this far. I think the name of it is the, the uh, power of the spirit of the air. People are walking around under a spiritual influence that they don't have any perception of. It's like when the governor gets up there and says, oh, we're saving lives, you know, we're yeah. all in this together, you know. I, making everybody feel, oh, we're so, you know, it's like uh, Palm Sunday, and then all of a sudden when the bill comes due, it's going to be Good Friday and the crucifixion, see? So, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. This, and, and the majority of people are, you know, the majority's always wrong. I think Plato, that was Plato's main uh, uh, correct statement, you know, the majority's always wrong, so. <laughs> yeah, you know, we have our constitution, and I don't know. How, you know, I mean, we enforce it the best we can. You know, and try to hold on to our liberty. And I thank you for your show. Thank you so much, Tom, for listening and for calling in. I appreciate all your very wise comments that you've made to uh, advance the cause of liberty. Uh, because as far as I can tell, the Constitution, any Constitution, all constitutions, are written so that we can live free. Oh so that we can hold these officials to to the constitutional duties that we assigned, that we had delegated to them. And nowhere in that constitution does it say that Governor Whitmer is supposed to be responsible that, for me to be safe or so that I don't die. That is extra constitutional yeah. and I don't like it. In fact, speaking of dying, I really like this website that I went to called uh, medindia.net. It talks about how many people die each year. What a morbid subject. But before we get to that, I'm going to go take a happy turn and, and and invite Elaine from Ann Arbor onto the show. Thank you for calling the Janice Daniels Show, Elaine. Nice to hear from you. Bless you, Janice, for all the work you do to get us where we need to be. Now it's our job to help hold up the flag. We, as you reminded us, a few weeks ago, we are not citizens. We are the people. We yeah. own the Constitution, and it's a simple document. And as our historical patriarchs taught us, the Jubilee was to always bring us back to the basic, get rid of all the garbage. In other words, the people who are ruling over us are not legitimate, so we are not to follow unrighteous laws. These are unrighteous. And in my school, whenever I took a test, I didn't have the opportunity to correct my own test. Well, the people who are ruling over us own the government, the media, and, uh, and uh, they don't own the truth. But it's our job. They're liars, and, and, and they don't have science or statistics, or the law, or the truth, accurate. They only have the propaganda, uh, uh, the voice, the, and, they're, they're, and we're allowing it. So we have responsibility if we don't walk the talk and read our Constitution and keep it simple. We don't need all these laws. We don't need a, 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 a Article 5 Convention of the States. We need the basic Constitution, which is only codified law of God. It's not the government's laws. It's 
uh, it's God's law how we to live in peaceful way he constructed us. And Elaine, look, that's so beautifully said. I want to thank you so much for joining the Janice Daniels Show and the conversation. And I'm not doing anything more than you're doing. I'm giving, uh, in, I'm, I'm giving tips and instructions and more, directions. Two more comments, please, quick. Take your mask off because that's only the beginning. If you want to see where this is going, look on the Internet under the New York State uh, Assembly uh, Bill A99 and see where this is going. And if we don't defy what's happening, we're not going to succeed. We're going to be slaves. Thank you. Yeah, you know. That's true. I heard you on the Abolitionist Roundtable show this morning talking about that um, yeah. that Act uh, 99 yeah. in uh -huh. New York. And I want to tell you, I also have an um, uh, article that says that a judge uh, asked for um, the authority to detain a Michigan resident. Uh, if he thinks that he has the coronavirus, uh, I can't find that particular article in my notes right now, but that's the egregious truth of it. We've got legislators that are doing exactly the same thing here in Michigan as that Act 99 in New York State, and it's, it's beyond It's going to be time. across the whole country if we don't stand up. We must not comply. Any any store owner who is supporting this unlawful, we need to confront and not support. We cannot give them business. Well, that's exactly right. I was going to say to Tom in Detroit if I had a chance, um, but I didn't want to break into what he was saying. I, I thought he was uh, making so many good points as well. Um, I, I wanted to say that if I walked through the doors of a store and the manager said, you know what, we really want everyone here to wear a mask, um, that's my choice then. I can either go forward, take a mask, wear it, shop in that store. Or I can say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to wear a mask, and I will go to a store where I can enter into it without wearing a mask. That's freedom. Yes. That's freedom. If there is a store. Go. If they haven't if been co-opted. If there co is a store. Yeah. And, and you know what? If it, if it ends up that I'm starving and there is no yep. store that won't let me go in without a mask, I'll put a mask on. But I don't want this governor dictating that we have to wear masks or that exactly. store owners have to force us to wear masks. The, That's the, not the constitutional. Stands, the power stands on our shoulders. If we take it or submit, it's our choice. That's thank, right. That's thank right. You. God bless you. Thank you, you so much for calling, Elaine. Have a wonderful day. I, I, I do want to go to this article. How many people die each year? We've got to have the perspective. I know a lot of people have been doing this, but I haven't seen a chart quite like the one that I found on this website, medindia.net. It says 56 million people die every year, which means that 4,679,452 people die every month, which means that hundred and 53,424.70 people die every day. Now, I'm not sure where that .70 comes from, uh, but I wanted to investigate, being the little curious cat that I am. Uh, so I multiplied .7 times 365, and I got 255.50. So then I multiplied that by 2, 
And I got a whole number again, that's 511. So now how that really equates to how many people die per day or per month or per year, I don't know. Maybe you can figure it out, but there is some kind of rationale to that uh, 0.7 people dying per day. Um, per hour, there's 6,392.70 people that die every year in around the world. That means there's 106.6 people who die every minute, which means that 1.80 people die per second. So I, I especially want to offer my condolences to the families of the 6,392.70 people who will die during this hour-long broadcast, as well as the 147,032 other people who will die today, as well as that 0.70 person who might have died today or next month or next year. Um, in fact, you know what? I'll give a blanket condolence to everybody because we're all going to die. It has been really nice knowing each and every one of you. Now, the World Health Organization claims that 7 million people die a year from air pollution alone. Okay. And there's an article that's posted on health.com. It was posted on April 9th, 2020, that says, Since December of 2019, when the novel coronavirus, COVID-19, 19, COVID-19 they call it. I don't like to call it that. I just like to call it coronavirus because I'm here in Coronaville. But um, it was, when it was first discovered in Wuhan, China, uh, it has infected nearly 1.5 million people worldwide. And it has caused 92, nearly 92,000 deaths. Now that's what they say is according to the Johns Hopkins University's real-time COVID-19 tracker. Now, if I do my math right, I think that's about 0.0613% of the people who contract the virus die. And so that's like under 6% of the total number of people who die every single day. All that I want is for liberty to live our dead. Now, when we speak about taxes, there's only one other thing that is considered permanent, and that's, or speaking about death, the only other thing that's considered permanent is taxes. So I received my hard copy census form this past week, and you know I've been waiting for this hard copy form, even though I've received a couple of postcards saying I could go online and submit my census form there, but um, that would mean that I would have to link my email address to my home address, and that's more information that I want to give these census takers at this point. Um, so the hard copy has given me the opportunity to take the upper hand, kind of. Uh, and, and I'd like to tell you about all these unconstitutional questions that are asked, but right now we're going to go to Gary from Hazel Park. Gary, thank you for joining the Janice Daniels Show. Hey, hey good afternoon, Janice. You know, I'm going to go back to basics. I really appreciate uh, everybody having chapter and verse on uh, the Constitution of the state and everything. But remember, the driving principles of the founding of America was life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, they've stripped us of our liberty. they forced us all into our homes, stripping us of our liberty. Therefore, our pursuit of happiness is gone, too. Because where do you pursue your happiness? Well, at your job where you make the cash you need to support your family 
and go to this show or do whatever else you want to do. And um, so by those basic facts, I mean, it's something that everybody should know, especially if you're a politician, this is wrong. All of it's wrong. It's, it's as wrong as it gets. You know that uh, we as a nation have been fighting the three curses that we've done, which is what we did to the American Indians, deprived them of their liberty, and what we did to the Negroes, we deprived them of their liberty, the Japanese during World War II, we deprived them of their liberty. Well, how do they get off depriving 350 million people of their liberty? I don't know. That's what I'm trying to discuss and discover because you're absolutely right. They cannot deny us the pursuit of happiness. Now, as I said, after the show, I'm going to make another batch of oatmeal raisin cookies because that makes me happy. But then I would like to go out and do some gardening. I would like to go out and do some shopping. I'd like to go out and visit some friends. And they are absolutely denying my pursuit of happiness when I'm told I can't do all of those things. Guess what? I'm going to do all those things anyway. And I wish that the businesses here in Michigan would open up their doors I would, I would frequent businesses that I've never been to if I see that they are open just so that I can help preserve freedom. Fantastic. You be well. Gary, you be well, too, and thank you so much for joining the Janice Daniels Show. Uh, now, as I say, I've, I've got my census form, and I want to make sure that we understand what our obligation is in terms of filling out this stupid census form. Uh, I, I, I got my hard copy that shows me all these unconstitutional questions that have been asked. Uh, first of all, there's a letter, you know, cover letter, and it indicates that I'm required by law to respond to the 2020 census. Um, now that's really a deception of great magnitude especially with a generation of people who have been made so ignorant of their constitutional rights. Um, there is only one constitutional requirement, and it is to be counted. There is no constitutional law that requires me to answer my familial status or the familial status of anyone else who's living with me, whether I own the house or they want my phone number. It's not, I'm not constitutionally obligated to give them my phone number, my name, my gender, my age, my origin. All of those things are asked for on this, on this census form. Uh, it even wants to know if other people usually live in or stay someplace else and one of the boxes that can be checked is do they live or stay in jail generally I mean this is so absurd uh, it, it, this is one of those dark places and I'm not going to allow myself to go into that dark place I'm going to try to find the silver cloud by first of all going to Henry from Ann Arbor welcome to the Janice Daniels show Henry thank you for calling thank you good afternoon to you thank you for taking my call you know, this uh, is definitely a, a post-9-11 moment, but it's global. And the thing that worries me is that we're giving little carrots like getting back to normal activities. Who in the world is defining normal, and who are we letting us define normal? We're the ones who define normal, not they. And the new normal is not what they want to tell us it should be, it's what it should have been all along. You know, Tehran says it best often. He says, no one talks like him. Well, we're too... We're too mild-mannered as conservatives. We need to take back what belongs to us rightfully, and that's the Constitution. And your idea about constitutional IQ is par excellence. Those people who swear on the Bible to 
uphold the Constitution probably haven't even read it, let alone be able to uphold it. They don't know what they're doing. So That's what right. is the new normal? You know, it's not what they say it's going to be. It's what it should have been all along. We need to take we need to take it back. Yeah, we need to define that new normal again, and I think that we have the uh, tools to be able to do so with talk radio, with the Internet, with Facebook. Uh, as long as we have these uh, tools at our fingertips, we must use them. The telephone, the letters that we can write, we must use them. We must open up our businesses. Thank you so much for calling, Henry. L love Thank to you. hear from you. I um, received an email from a gentleman. I'm going to refer to him as AR, and it says, Who am I? It says, I'm not white, I'm not black, I'm not red, I'm not any other color. I'm not the color of my skin, I'm not Asian, African, nor European. I'm going to have to go down to the conclusion, I am an American. Thank you so much for joining the show. Talk to you next week. <laughs>